Welcome to the Coffee Geek Podcast, the voice of CoffeeGeek.com. Our website is the most read resource for coffee and espresso lovers worldwide, and this is an exciting new addition to the website. The inaugural podcast is brought to you by the Elysian Room, one of Vancouver, British Columbia's premier cafes. The Elysian Room is located on Fifth Avenue in Vancouver, just off of Burrard. It's around the corner from the Fifth Avenue Cinemas, and they have a website at www.elysianroom.com. That's E-L-Y-S-I-A-N room.com. Next time you're in town, drop by and visit Alistair and crew and taste some of the finest shots Vancouver has to offer. So, our first ever podcast. What's this all going to be about? Well, pretty much anything coffee and espresso related. We're going to definitely have a consumer slant because coffeegeek.com is first of all and foremost a a website for consumers. But we're going to be covering professional issues too. Uh, In fact, this first show, we probably have more pro issues than, than consumer issues. But anything coffee and espresso related, whether it be for consumers, for professionals, or anyone in between, we're going to be covering it. For me to get this out, I've been talking about doing a Coffee Geek podcast for several months now and just dragging my heels. And I think that Nick and and the Portafilter.net website are definitely an incentive for us to get moving and for me to get this out the door. But I love that site, and I highly recommend that you you visit it every day. It's Portafilter.net, and definitely check out their podcasts. The other shout-out I want to give is to Intelligentsia Coffee. As you know, uh, as some of you know from reading the Coffee Geek website, that uh, Intelligentsia is the, quote, official coffee supplier, unquote, of the Coffee Geek website. And the reason why I have an official coffee supplier is because when I do test equipment, um, when I have people over, like Paul Bassett, who plows through like six, eight pounds of coffee while he's taking me to school and teaching me uh, espresso all over again, it, it, it adds up. And... Uh, my coffee costs uh, were quite expensive before I had an official supplier. And on top of that, the consistency between product reviews was was lacking. I would test one equipment, I have a certain type of coffee, and then I go and test another equipment, and the coffee that I had at that point might be lacking or older or younger, and the taste profile was different. So I needed uh, someone to p- supply me with a consistent supply of coffee and a consistently good supply of coffee, and I approached Intelligentsia and asked them about sending me a few pounds a week. And for the last couple of years, that's exactly what they've done. And it's been a big help uh, to me personally, to me financially, uh, and to the website, and also to the reviews, because it helps keep our coffee reviews more consistent. We, I, obviously, roasted coffee is always a variable. Black Cat, the espresso blend we use, changes week to week, um, just like any blend does, or every few weeks. But... It's fairly consistent across the board, and it gives me good uh, data and good background and good uh, notes to go back and forth between product reviews where I could say, yeah, you know, this machine definitely has a temperature problem because, you know, all the other machines that I'm testing with similar coffee were pouring much better. So I'd really like to, to thank Intelligentsia for supplying this coffee for so long, and um, I definitely enjoy drinking Black Cat every day. So... What's on tap for this 001 inaugural episode? Well, we have up first an interview with Vince Piccolo. This was conducted last week, and Vince is the uh, the owner of uh, Cafe Artigiano, a five-location coffee enterprise here in Vancouver. Vince is also getting into roasting soon, and I conducted the interview at Prado Cafe. 
Then we'll have a From the Lab segment where we're going to be talking about a KitchenAid ProLine grinder. And then I sit down with Alistair Dury and uh, Sammy Piccolo in a roundtable, and we're going to be talking about anything and everything. Uh, this roundtable was actually conducted last week, just before Z- Sammy took off uh, for Toronto for the Canadian Barista Championship, which is where he's at now. And my last segment uh, is going to be covering just a few minor news items. And uh, I believe the whole range of this podcast is going to be just shy of two hours. And I hope you enjoy. All right, we're at uh, Prado Cafe right now, sitting with uh, Vince Piccolo from uh, Cafe Artigiano, and uh, a fellow who's about to get into the exciting world of uh, roasting coffee. Hi, Mark, and uh, I'm glad to be here on your uh, first podcast. <laughs> That's right, it is the first podcast. So, Vince, let's let's get right into it. All you right. guys are going to start roasting this summer. Yeah, we believe we're going to try starting August 1st. August 1st. August 1st is the big day. And uh, what kind of roaster did you buy? We have uh, purchased a 60-kilo Renegade roaster made by Jobber. You know, the Renegade has a... People are calling the Renegade the Seneso of the roaster world because of... Oh, they're quite right. And why why is that? Well, there's many factors. Uh, The factors that I looked at were, you know, the cast iron um, drum. Uh, We were getting a state-of-the-art burners uh, put on our roaster. Um, it's called a ribbon burner, actually. It's uh, very popular with uh, a lot of the bakeries, and that's what they're using in their burners. And we've, uh, I've actually seen this ribbon burner in use at uh, Carl Stobbs, who has the exact same roaster that we are, uh, we're going to be using. And also one of the major factors is the, the cooling tray. will cool coffee once it's been roaster, roasted in under, under five minutes. Wow. Well, I happen to know that uh, the counterculture coffee in, uh, is right. in North Carolina. They also so use a renegade. They just bought one. That's right. And um, and uh, Peter uh, Giuliano, the guy there, he's uh, he's just fanatical about it. Right. Um, so a 60 kilo roaster. That's a pretty big roaster. Yeah, it's a big roaster. We're going through some pretty big volume though right now. We are going to be purchasing also a 15 kilo roaster to complement our 60 kilo roaster as well. From renegade as well. From renegade as well. Yeah. Wow. And. Um, I understand that someone is helping you out with the launch. Yeah, um, our espresso is being developed by uh, Instarator, uh, known as Innie in, uh, in the coffee circles from uh, Sydney, Australia. He's uh, well known for uh, being the, the roast master and one of the uh, original founders of Michelle's Coffee Division. And he also put together Paul Bassett's uh, winning espresso blend when he won. Also put together our espresso blend for Sammy when he came third this year at, uh, the, uh, world, the, at the WBC. Wow. Well, I know any pretty well, and, and I know the guy knows coffee, so I can't think of anyone better to yeah, start up. Likewise, yeah. The roasting works with. Um, so I think for the start, you're going to just be roasting for your cafes. Just for the cafes. Are you going to be also doing retail bags in your cafes? We are. We're actually going to be launching a new um, a new design for the bags. Yeah, it's very exciting. And will we ever see Cafe Artigiano getting into the wholesale business down the road? Um, I haven't made that decision yet. Yeah. yeah. For now, it's just for the cafes. For now, it's just going to be for the cafes. We just want to actually have the best product possible for our cafes and just strictly concern ourselves with quality. Oh, very cool. And now, let's talk a bit about your cafes because right. you have you have five cafes in, in the Vancouver area. Yeah, five in the, in the um, district. We have three in downtown Vancouver. 
one in Caresdale and one in uh, Park Royal, West Vancouver. It's not a chain yet. It's not a chain yet. No, because you're you have to have six. That's right. We're one away from being a chain. <laughs> Um, we're all privately owned. We uh, don't have. Uh, we're not corporately owned. We don't have shares in our company. We're, <laughs> we're, we're just a small little uh, coffee company in Vancouver that so happens to have five locations. Are you basically telling us in the future you might be publicly traded? Is that how it might work? Definitely not. <laughs> um, this is going to put you on the spot a bit, Vince. But right. out of all five locations, what's your favorite? Um, you know. It's, the first store is always kind of uh, near to your heart because, uh, you know, history with our cafe, I was the first barista in our cafe and I was... This is the Pender location? Yeah, Pender location. And I was uh, a barista there for probably six months and my brother Sammy was on the till. So it was really the two of us running this cafe. And um, our coffee concept has originated from that one store. So I think Pender's probably the one that tugs at my heart the most. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, actually, you know, that brings up a good point. You said that you and Sammy were working the shop the first six months. Right. Um, what kind of mistakes did you make back then and what did you uh, learn from that first six months? You know, I probably made the mistake of uh, not getting anybody to show me how to do anything. I tried to learn everything on my own, you know, so obviously I made a lot of mistakes. Um, some of the mistakes I did was uh, not pour coffee into uh, my cups, as Mark <laughs> Prince probably has written and, and uh, mentioned many, many times. Oh, the old shot glass yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, there's still cafes doing that to this day and cafes yeah. that should know better. And to be honest with you, I'm still learning today. Yeah. So, you know, I, I make mistakes. But what, what other things did you, did you do back then that when you look back on today, you go, God, why did we do that? Like, you know, give like maybe like a couple of tips to people who might want to start up their own cafe. Well, the most important thing for us was, was product and service. Whose um, coffee were you using uh, at the start? When we first opened up, we used a, a Seattle roaster called Cafe Vita. Used them for about a year and a half. And then we switched over to Intelligentsia. Um, mistakes I made probably is not really um, studying coffee as much as I should have before opening up the cafe. I came from a fine dining uh, background and I believed that you know anything would be easier than fine dining so got into the coffee house business and then realized that wow this is such a vast field uh, a field that needed uh, all of my attention and like I said a little bit earlier I'm learning daily. Right. Yeah. It's funny because I think you mentioned to me the reason why you started the cafe in the first place was you want to spend more time with your family. That's right. Because the restaurant business was just like taking yeah, up 18 yeah. hours a day. That's right. Work until 2 in the morning, <laughs> 7 days a week. Wow. And what's it like now? It's it's just wonderful. Yeah. You know, we got five busy, great cafes in Vancouver. We got a, a lot of great staff, some wonderful baristas. You know, we have about close to 100 staff members. 30 of them are, are I, I consider, great baristas. And we got a great training program set in place. Well, uh, one, why don't we talk about a bit about that? And one of the biggest problems that, that that quality cafes have is actually keeping staff, right? Or keeping you know really good quality staff. What's your secret? Uh, our secret is you know we we treat them really well. Um, we make them feel part of the company. Um, our our training program is very very intensive. Uh, we have a uh, barista certification program. We have a lot That's of our house. Yeah. We have a, a lot of our uh, baristas are um, competing baristas. Uh, most people know my brother Sammy. Also, um, Zach is uh, the reigning Canadian uh, champion. We have a lot the of Western Canadian. Champion. Oh, sorry, the Western Canadian champion, and um, we have quite a few Latte Art champions. And you know, 
we're kind of known as uh, the House of Champions here locally. <laughs> well, that's that's a title that I think Zoka has down in in uh, Washington State, but. Yeah. Um, you guys definitely do have a range of champions. I mean, yeah. if, just off the top of my head, I can think of Morris, who's right. a Latair champion. That's right. Uh, Zach, who's won the Latair competition as well as the Western Canadian Regional. Right. Sammy, of course, who's two-time reigning Canadian champ. Uh, second and third place in World Barista Championships. Right. Um, what about Vince Pekalov? Well, you know, I'm too busy to compete. I'd love to compete, but um, running five cafes and opening up a roasting plant just aren't allowing me to do it right now. So. And what about what about? I know Mind you, I really enjoyed the WBC when I had to uh, work on the Lamar Zoka machine and and uh, make some shots for all the uh, the trainers <laughs> and uh, working on the machine with fellow baristas. I just loved it. That's right. You yeah. were uh, you were one of the enlisted baristas to work a machine while yeah. you were put through. Our training regimen and, and our like all the judges had to stand around the machine That's and right. judge shots. That's right. And uh, I did see that, that your station certainly seemed to have a hell of a lot more fun than my station did. <laughs> uh, I'm You're not gonna, on that one. No, right? not making not naming any names either. But um, <laughs> well, you know, having fun is part of work. You know, you come into our place, it's like uh, there's so you guys are very fast paced. Yeah, yeah. We have banter. You know, there, there's there's that's very very fast paced. I mean, I've yeah. gone into the Hornby location at times, and I just can't believe how much espresso is poured out. Yeah, we're we're probably What's one of the busiest cafes around. You know, we we've had to implement systems where we have. Three people actually on machines on a five group machine. On a five group machine, yeah, we got three people working it in order to get the lines out. We actually have three people working on four group machines. Why don't? Why don't actually, you know what would be good is if you told us a bit about how that process works. How do you get three people working a four well, group machine? I have basically one person who's going to be doing all the pouring, saucer setup, spoons down. Uh, one person will be doing the grinding and making sure every shot is perfect, and another person will be doing all the steaming. So who's doing the pouring? The pouring will be done by the middle person. Okay. No, I'm sorry. The pouring will be done by the person who's serving the customer, obviously. Right. The middle person will be doing the steaming of the milk. Okay. And the person on the other side will be doing the espresso extraction. And at any given time, I imagine more than one group is being used as well. Oh, we alternate every group, yeah. But I mean, like, if, if for these really fast-paced times, uh, are two or three groups going at the same time? Yes. And that's one barista doing all All the all espresso shots. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that brings us to another point about Artigiano's Cafe and, I guess, your signature, uh, the fact that you guys do latte art on everything that you serve. Right. And um, I know early on in your cafe success, that was an integral part of your success. It was kind of a, your signature. And I know today you're, you're probably not so much uh, interested in emphasizing the latte art as you are the quality of the beverage. Right. But let's face facts. You guys pour beautiful latte art. We do. Um, it's it's the final page of the book, you know. Yeah. You know, it's like the last thing that the customer sees. It's what they bring to the table, and they they ooh and ah about. And a lot of people eat and drink with their eyes. Yeah. So you know, it's like I said, I come from a fine dining background, and I really want everything to look perfect. I want service to be great, and you know, we don't do any advertising. So, you know, we spend our money on well, quality. I know, you're and certainly not an advertiser and coffee geek. <laughs> no, that's coming up with the roasting plant. <laughs> no, we'll look at that. But um, it, is, it is really good advertising, and it's, and it's a good yeah. thing for the city. I know that your brother and yourself have been on various TV and yeah, radio we were shows actually, locally. Yeah, we were actually the first ones in town to probably to do it, from, yeah. from my recollection. Well, my, in my opinion, I've seen a lot of hair done around the world, especially yeah. the United States and Canada, and... 
while there are many really good latte artists, and I happen to think that there are some just absolutely stellar ones, I don't think I've ever seen a cafe where more consistently good latte art was pumped out across all five of this non-chain yeah. thing well, called Cafe Artigiano. It, it, that really goes to show that we have a great staff, and they they compete with each other, and they help each other, and you know if one barista sees another barista doing a great job, they want to be just as good as that other barista, and I also go on the machine every day just just to maintain quality and just to see that I can still do it. And, so you're pulling and the shift every day. Every day I'm on the machine. Very cool. Is that something you You've would recommend? You've seen me on the machine, haven't you? I. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was a couple of years ago, but yes. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, but I just have the thing is, Vince, is I don't exist before 10 a.m. I know. That's why I never I see know. it. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I pull my shifts between seven and ten. <laughs> but um, is that something you would recommend to every cafe owner that they never forget getting yeah, in the bar? Definitely. It's um, you know, how can you tell your barista what to do if you can't do it? You, you should get your hands dirty. You get in there and see what they're experiencing, see what's happening during the service when they're super busy. Um, you'd be amazed at how you can improve things and how you treat and respect your uh, your staff after that. Very cool. Now let's cover one more topic and we'll right. say goodbye. And that topic is the upcoming uh, Canadian Barista Championship. Now both you and I unfortunately are not going to Toronto for a variety of reasons, mainly because of just scheduling. Right. Uh, but what do you see happening there? And and who's going for, for Cafe Artigiano? Well we have two baristas going. I believe Sammy is going to uh, try to recapture the title and um, Zach is the uh, Western Canadian champion. What's, He's going actually, to... Actually what's Zach's full name? Lackick. It's uh, Zach Lackick. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's um, also our star barista, manager, and maintenance man on the uh, Lamarzoko espresso machines. I believe he even recently got his Canadian citizenship. Yeah. Wow. Which Proud is, Canadian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just like another person I know. Yeah, makes one of the best cappuccinos you'll ever see. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's amazing in the bar. Um, I think in the past he's done Lante Air competitions where he's done uh, complete drink builds blindfolded. That's right. Uh, can you tell us what they have in store for the CBC this year? Well, you know, they've been training really hard. Uh, Zach, Zach and I have actually helped each other on um, trying to develop a nice signature drink for him. Sammy, I think, is going to stick to what works with him. He's, um, you know, he, he just competed at the uh, WBC. And the, and, the, and the CBC is so close to the WBC, it hasn't really given Sammy much of a chance to change his routine. So he's probably going to be sticking to a very similar routine, changing a few things. Can you give us a little insider into what Zach's signature drink is going to be, or do you uh, want to keep that? That's probably uh, under all, the I'll, all I'll say that is, is that it'll be called Romanza, and he uses a dark cho uh, dark chocolate and soured cherry ingredient. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Vince. Thanks oh, for joining thank us today. Thank you for today. having me. And we hope we can have you back on very soon. All right. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. All right, folks, we're back in the lab now, and we're about to start a segment that we hope to do every podcast. It's called From the Lab. Uh, and since this is our first podcast and first From the Lab segment, uh, I'm going to take a moment to explain uh, what this is about. Um, as you probably know, CoffeeGeek.com, its initial claim to fame was that we uh, had a massive consumer review section, and we also posted what we called professional reviews. This is where I'm sent products, and we work on uh, 
detailing as much as we can about the proc, putting it through the paces and posting the results. Um, when I first started doing that, I was basically just doing it in my kitchen uh, at my house. And I found quite early on that, that uh, I didn't quite have all the, the tools as well as the expertise necessary to do what otherwise would be called a professional review. They were very amateurish. And over the years, uh, I developed, I guess, a set of guidelines for reviewing different types of equipment. And uh, along the way, I've also amassed a fair amount of testing uh, equipment that, that's cost a fair amount of money. And last year, uh, I moved um, from doing the reviews in the kitchen in the basement into actually a, a, a room that's dedicated just for testing these things, as well as set up for doing cupping. And we do have a lot of equipment in that room. There's a couple of tables set up. Uh, there's um, uh, places for three or four machines to go head-to-head -to, -head to each other. Uh, we have a couple of Fluke uh, Series 52 double uh, uh, thermometers with uh, the data logging ability. Um, I even have a portafilter set up so that it registers proper temperatures. And, and I learned how to do that actually from a fellow named Barry Jarrett, who's very famous for having his his uh, thermocoupled uh, portafilter and bringing it with him everywhere he goes. We also have um, a cupping facility, very rudimentary, but a cupping facility set up. Um, we even invested in the Nade de Cafe kit from the SCAA. It's about $300, and it's, it's this box full of vials with uh, different smells in each vial, and it helps people on their way to, to, to uh, developing good cupping skills. So this segment of the, the Coffee Geek podcast is going to cover equipment reviews, uh, product reviews. We may even have a coffee review here and there. We may have cupping notes. Uh, sometimes I'm going to be doing it by myself. Sometimes I'm going to have a guest or a couple of guests. Uh, and uh, basically every week this is where we're going to talk about some new or different product, service, cafe, whatever. This week... We're going to be featuring a product that is very soon going to appear on the website as a first look, and it's the KitchenAid ProLine Grinder. Now, KitchenAid was very generous in sending uh, Coffee Geek their ProLine Grinder, their uh, ProLine uh, Coffee Brewer, and the ProLine Espresso Machine a little while back. And we're just starting up the review process on all three of those products right now. And this uh, week, we're going to be giving you a heads up and kind of a sneak preview at the the KitchenAid ProLine grinder. So let's start off. First of all, this is a grinder that retails usually for around $200 online. Uh, it's part of KitchenAid's new ProLine series. And um, when KitchenAid first announced this this lineup of, of equipment, I know myself and a lot of people online lauded it because really this was the first sort of mainstream major uh, manufacturer of appliances to actually build um, not only a grinder but an espresso machine sort of designed for the upper tier of the market. Uh, without going into too much details about the espresso machine, uh, it is a dual boiler system, um, very solidly built, and, but you know, I'll leave it at that. We're going to be talking about that machine on a later show. Right now, uh, I'm going to be talking about the, the grinder in the lineup, and the grinder is built pretty much with the same sort of durability that the espresso machine is. It's all metal construction, very heavy weight. Uh, the design and style of it is very reminiscent of KitchenAid's uh, blender series and mixer series. Um, 
It's uh, got a glass hopper and a glass bean uh, holder. Um, there's a giant dial up front that allows for uh, actually, I think, 16 settings because the numbers go from 1 to 8, and there's also mid settings in between. And the way the grinder works is actually it's what I call a fall-down grinder, a fall-through grinder. Uh, the beans are on top, and they don't go in any kind of sideways path. The grinding mechanism is right underneath uh, the bean hopper. Uh, the beans are ground, and they fall directly down into the catcher uh, on the bottom. Uh, the grinder itself, the, 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 the part that actually grinds coffee, is quite unique, too. It's more almost like a meat grinder or you know one of those devices you attach to to a desktop or a tabletop and and feed meat or whatever uh grains whatever into the top it's um it's a lot it's a horizontal kind of auger design and uh when i first looked at it, i was kind of skeptical skeptical about how well this thing would be as a grinder uh but after my first use actually i was quite sold on it First of all, I've got it sitting right here, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it on to give you an idea of what the sound is like from it uh, when it's uh, when it has no beans in it. So right now it's on, and as you can probably hear, it's not that loud. Uh, that's mainly engine noise that you're hearing, plus a bit of the auger making contact with stuff. As I turn the dial, you can hear the pitch change slightly. Now I'm going to be adding some beans to it. Beans I'm adding this week, and actually we're going to have some brewed coffee for a little later on, is actually uh, the Ethiopian Harara that we were sent by Intelligentsia this week. And we'll set the dial to an appropriate drip setting, which is, I've found, usually five uh, or five and a half. I'm going to leave it at five. And here we go. Now, this is really, really um, a very uh, non-detailed preview. But what I can tell you about this machine is, first of all, one thing that impresses me, um, even though there's not a lot of grind selections available to the user, the grind range goes from uh, press pot, really coarse grind, right up to a grind so fine that it actually chokes uh, all my espresso machines, including the Lamarzoko. It's uh, what I would call a total Turkish grind. We're talking talcum powder. When the grinder is set all the way to eight, you're getting a Turkish grind. It's just pretty amazing. But here's another thing, and I think this has to do with the design of the auger-style uh, horizontal grinding mechanism. This thing grinds equally fast for um, espresso as it does for drip coffee. And I wouldn't say equally, but it's pretty close. I mean, it takes roughly about... I don't know, I would say probably about 10 seconds. I haven't timed this yet, but I'm going to guess. Uh, it takes roughly about 10 seconds to grind probably about 20 grams of coffee for drip. And I would say for espresso, it takes probably about 12 seconds to grind the same amount of volume for uh, espresso. That's one thing that really impresses me about the machine. Another thing that I really do like is I do like the straight fall-through path. It means that there's not a lot of grounds left over inside the grinder between grinding sessions, which is really important. And there's another thing, too, which, which KitchenAid doesn't really publicize, but I've made use of. You can remove the bottom glass catcher, grind catcher, 
and actually put a portafilter right under there and grind straight into it. I mean, it's pretty much uh, open space underneath where the grinds fall, and I found it fairly convenient to do that. Control of the machine is actually just a simple on-off switch, and as I mentioned before, a big dial on the front that dials in, find the grind is. And another thing too, and again, you won't find this really uh, publicized with KitchenAid, but they do put a short mention of it in their manual. You can disassemble the front control dial and actually change the range. So if you found that it's not grinding fine enough for your likes, you can actually modify it by uh, disassembling the front gearing assembly and move over a few notches, then put it back together. Same thing on the press pot side, but I found that straight out of the box, this thing handles press pot and espresso grinding with ease. Probably the most difficult thing is actually finding a median setting for a vac pot or for, for drip. Other than that, uh, there's not a lot to say right now. I haven't run a whole series of tests on this machine. Uh, I'm really impressed with the build quality. Oh, I should also point out that this is actually a modified version of of, of this grinder. When KitchenAid first shipped it, they did have some problems with, with uh, both ground coffee and whole beans getting stuck in the mechanism in various parts of the machine. Underneath the glass hopper, you'll see there's a metal guard assembly and there's a couple of gaps in the original machine where, where beans could fall. They've remedied this and they've done some tweaking to the design. And this happened about six, seven months ago. And uh, the unit that I got is actually the newly modified version. And I'm happy to report that not a, there's, there's a negligible amount of coffee grounds that, that uh, remain in the machine between grinding sessions. So $200 uh, average retail price. The MSRP on it is 300 US. It's available both in, in the gunmetal gray that the whole KitchenAid line, a pro line, is available in, but also in red, I believe. And uh, you should be able to find it anywhere online. And uh, the, even though it's early days yet, we're really impressed with this. And once the review process is over, this thing's probably going to migrate itself to my kitchen as sort of my regular vac pot, press pot, drip pot grinder, and also an occasional grinder for espresso. And there we have it. Okay, this is the start of uh, our roundtable. It's uh, something we're going to have every Coffee Geek podcast, and for the second time in a row there, I heard a clink. <laughs> I'm sitting here with Alistair Dury from the Elysian Room, one of, uh, one, of, one, of, one of the best cafes, independent cafes in Vancouver. How you doing, Alistair? Hi, Mark. <laughs> and I'm also sitting here with Sammy Piccolo. Now, I'll either give him a long introduction or a short one. I think I'll give him a short one. He's kind of a cool guy um, who uh, pours a mean shot of espresso and can pour the occasional latte art. Oh, thank you very much for the compliment, my friend. How you doing, Sammy? Oh, great, man. <laughs> what are you doing these days, Sammy? Which locations are you working at? I, you know for what? Cafe Artigiano, I forgot to mention. We we have uh, you know five locations, but my heart is still with the first one, Pender. Your brother uh, said the exact same thing in the I gotta, interview I did with him. I got to start my day, at Pender. I don't know why. It's just like if I don't start my day at Pender, it's like you know. Not having my breakfast in the morning or something like that. Uh, so that's what it's Pender and Pender and Thurlow and Thurlow in Vancouver and Alistair. Just so we give uh, proper, uh, you know, equal uh, credit here. The uh, Legion Room, where is it located? On Fifth Avenue and Burrard Street. 
Well, we have a list of topics today, and the first one uh, that we're going to be discussing is actually the Canadian Barista Championships, uh, which is happening on uh, Monday, June, uh, what is it, 13th and 14th? Yes, it is. And uh, the reason why we're talking about that is because Mr. Salvatore Piccolo has decided once again to enter the Canadian <laughs> Barista Championships and see if he can win it for a third time running. Yeah, I ate my words. I said I wasn't going to compete again, but of course... I didn't believe you for a second. I didn't yeah. believe for a second either. Really? Why? What? Well, yeah, just I know you. You're competitive. You're yeah. a competitive nature. You think so? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of excited about this one because it's actually in Toronto, and it's never been over there, and actually one of the reasons, the only reasons why I'm doing it is because it's in Toronto, because I feel right. that... If we don't get the opportunity at least to promote coffee on that side of the country, we're not doing our job here. Because I feel, you know. Well, that's a good public uh, reaction, Sammy. I personally think the real reason why is you want another kick at the can at the WBC. You could say that again. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I'd like to go to Switzerland if I can. So uh, you're going there with Zach uh, Lackick from uh, from Cafe Artigiano as the Zach is the Western Regional Champion. Yeah, and we're also I'm also Lino Mastrangelo is coming with us too, and he's always a good part of our team, and he's from Brazza Gelato. He's from Brazza Gelato, and um, we were talking a bit before the show about sort of our thoughts about the fact of this being hosted out east. You gave a good point that it, it increases exposure back east, but. Um, I know myself I have a couple of issues with it being back east, mainly because I feel that the west coast of Canada is a bit more of a it's it's part of the Pacific Northwest where there is a real explosion mm-hmm. for espresso uh, for appreciation. And uh I'm a little bit disappointed by the numbers entered, which I believe is how many? Ten. Ten. I definitely agree with you, Mark, but I will say this. Three years ago or two years ago at the Canadians in Vancouver, you know, the quality was probably just as good as it is in Toronto right now. So, but three years ago we had sixteen entrants. We had sixteen entrants, but it doesn't mean that we had sixteen people who, who knew uh, a lot about espresso. And I think they have to start somewhere. So true. But last year I think we had eighteen, although two dropped out. Yeah, that's so true. So we had sixteen again, and I would say the field last year was a lot higher caliber. Yeah, that's true. But the problem with the 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 10 people isn't the fact that there's only 10 people because you could have 10 quality people. The problem is that there's three rounds. I know. I, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. Three rounds and there's only 10 entrants. Do 10 and how many, how many people make the finals? Six people make the final because it's a national event. So I'm wondering, do 10 people make the second round as well? Or I haven't got a clue. Are they, do, maybe, maybe they'll have it so that the, the regional winners get a bye. Well, maybe yeah, that is. The regional winners do get a buy. That's, um, I forget the gentleman's name, but he's from Bulldog Coffee in Toronto, and Zach Lackick, um, won the Western Regionals, and he gets a buy into the second round. Hmm. Maybe that decision was made before they knew how many people were entering. Well, actually, I talked to Mr. Danny Johns, uh, yesterday, and he told me we're having three rounds. Hmm. Three rounds. I just, I, I think it's too much. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, much. yeah. I mean, I personally think that the the re, in this case, you know, one qualifying round and uh, four people from the qualifying round make it into the finals and the two regionals. Mm, definitely. You know, maybe people don't understand how much pressure it puts on the the, the competitors. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, three rounds. Yeah. What you, what's your concerns about that? So. Well, personally, let's say I didn't even train for this competition. I feel that. Since I did my performance a month ago, let's say I didn't train, 
by the third time, I'm going to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I told Zach, I go, I don't know if I'd even want to win my Western Regionals because now I get an extra chance to do my performance and try to... Yeah. If I'm going to make the semifinal anyway, what's the point? Yeah. And if you notice in the United States Barista Championships, out of, I don't know, four people... 38 How many people start. qualified for the semifinal ahead of time? Uh, I believe that they had seven regional or eight regionalists. And how many one. made the final? Only one. That's they, right. Because they only had two chances, and that was Ellie. Yeah. So I think uh, I'm going to go with the three if they if they give me three. And uh, you know, so from a competitor standpoint, you like it, but you also have an issue with it. From, eh? a, from somebody watching it, I think yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but there's so the um, the other thing too is that you know on the East Coast and next year it's it's the plan is is also to have it on the East Coast because. The Canadian, um, the the coffee show it's associated with mm-hmm. is going to be staying in Toronto, I believe. Now, I'm not 100% sure on that, but um, the plan right now is that the uh, the Canadian Championship will stay with that show, and if that show's in Toronto... Well, Sammy, what, what would you do if you, were, if you were organizing the competition? Well, I don't know. This will be my fourth or fifth time involved with this exact type of competition. Uh, one of... One question that I do have is, does the best barista really win every time? Hmm. Or it, do we need a tablecloth? Why why isn't the person winning a World Barista Championship, why can't they have a personality? Right. Why are the, can't are they, the rules too structured? Are they, are they too specific? Well, yeah, of course. You know, um, a lot of great drinks have alcohol, especially mm-hmm. with coffee. We can't mm-hmm. use alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um like well, there said, are, there is you know there's valid reasons for the no alcohol thing. Okay. Religious Very valid. Because like, religious would... beliefs and there's judges. I mean, judges. There, you know, the caffeine alone is 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 a tough thing to deal with as a judge. Mm-hmm. If you have to deal with alcohol as well, by the time you're on the fourth or fifth competitor, you can't mm-hmm. adequately judge anymore. How about does can a judge make a cappuccino? Do you think that every judge can make? 12 drinks in 15 minutes. Oh, dude, you know, like, I have big ideas for the WBC. If you want to get into this for a moment, I will. Yeah, I really think, saying what you picked up on earlier, I agree that the competition should be a little more open to creativity. Yeah. This whole... I agree. But I also think that the judge's qualification is kind of screwed right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I like... You know what? Everyone who failed the sensory has an issue with it. Everyone who passed it is grudgingly accepting it or happy with it. Mm -hmm. As someone who's passed the sensory test... I'm grudgingly happy with it, um, but I personally think that the the judge's certification—I I hate to use this word because a lot of people are going to hear this—but it's a bit of a joke. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit of a joke the way it's currently structured. The way I think it should be done. Well, it's different in Canada. It is different in Canada. I'm talking about WBC standards, okay. which, frankly, every country should be doing to get the proper That's kind of judges. Right in Canada, I mean, but well, got 10, I think ten entrants. I think that I think that uh, there should be four tests. There should be the written test, which we currently do. There should be the sensory test. Then there should be um, what I call a defects test, and we come up with a standardized list of 50 defective shot pulls. And they would be judged between super easy to detect to super difficult, like a 60-second shot would be super easy to detect. Uh, super difficult shot would be uh, or, or test to, to do is that you've underdosed by two grams, yeah. you know, and, and each judge would be given 10 of these tests out of the 50 and they have to guess. Now, no, stick with me for a second. Under, Alex, so underdosing those. I understand. I, you know, it's subjective at this point. Subjective. What would be the, 
the actual defect test it isn't written yet and then the fourth test is anyone who wants to be a judge should do a 10 minute routine and that 10 minute routine is four espressos four cappuccinos served just like the competitors do and they get scored now i'm not i'm leaving signature drink out of there because that's the creative part where's that going like where's that taking the competition really well, on the judging side, I think, see, people are griping that the sensory test is not proper for judges. And I kind of see the point. But what I think is that we should have these four tests. And it's an aggregate score. So, in other words, if you score badly on the sensory, but you know your stuff as a barista and you can do the 10-minute routine without a plume, okay. you should be a judge. That brings a question to mind. How does making cappuccino make you understand how to taste cappuccino more. Well, that's okay. Well, don't forget we're not just talking about sensory judges, we're talking about technical. Yeah, judges. That's that's a great that's a great point. That's what that's my one of my biggest pet peeves. This is a barista competition, right? Yes. So, if you ask me, it's kind of turned into a roasters competition because they slashed the technical scores. You know, there's a lot of personal opinions on different roasts, how you that's dose. True. It's like if you overdose, I, I I know for a fact if I overdose a European judge is going to prejudge it ahead of time. I have, you know, I do have score sheets. A technical shoot. judge? A, a sensory judge will prejudge it ahead Even of time. Even though they're not supposed I, I to have, watch the shot pulse. They're watching, I have they're watching you dose? Yes. They're not supposed okay. to. If this is a barista. the Europeans no. do. Mm-hmm. And this was the problem with this year's WBC. We won't name I don't want to get into specifics. No. But there was an issue with the sensory judges watching the barista pull their shots and set up their shots and then writing comments on their sensory sheets and they're not supposed to this do that. This is true and I think that's why a lot of people say that the sensory judge should sensory judges should be removed from the competition I love near that the idea. barista. Almost like you pass the drink through a window or through a, a booth to where the judges are so they're not biased towards how they're and also, seeing the drink. Prepared. And I love that idea and and frankly I think it would make us all better judges because I know Myself included, I, I take a certain honor in being a judge. Even to the point, but that should be taken away. Even to the point where you don't know who's competing. Exactly. Well, I don't know how you can do that though. You you put something on their ears. Yeah. Right? But my thing is, okay, it this goes is, through to they're they're in booths. It's like voting yeah. booths. They go through into the drink goes through into a booth, and they're judging what is in the cup. Exactly. That's all. Okay, and I agree with that. But also, this is a barista competition. I think the best technical barista, or one of the better technical baristas, should get scored for that. Because I'll tell you something, it's very important. A great technical barista can but train great technical I, baristas. You know what, That's you're taking it in a different direction. I think that like you know, maybe there should be different levels of competition. Maybe there should be this individual level of competition where it just goes purely for you know taste and also technical skills. But then like have a team division. And then have a flare division. Sure. You know? But well, then you get into, like, actual having a spectator sport. Yeah. Which okay. it's not right now. No. How about, okay. I love the idea of team. Let's see yes. Let's see you who know? can make 20 drinks the fastest. Let's see who can yeah. have 10 well, customers this is, walk this in line. This would be the make flare. It entertaining. This would be the exactly. flare, just like the, the bartending flare competitions. Exactly. We should have 10 anonymous people walk into this person's cafe, order drinks. Who gets it the fastest? Or 10 who, audience members. Who mm. gets the... Who gets the... Let's see some people drop some drinks yeah, or rush the, and like, let's see some service? accidents. Who gets the best service? Who gets their drinks on time? Who will go back to that person's cafe? Mm-hmm. That will be the best barista in the world. And you know, make it really tough for the barista. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, do that, we'll do it yeah. on thumbnails. Start to finish. Sure. On thumbnails. Yeah. <laughs> or how, about, no, how about just with a patch over an eye so their depth perception <laughs> is screwed up? Hey, I might, I might actually do better that way. I could use all the help I can get. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> 
Okay, so, um, you know, obviously this is a really difficult, uh, or not difficult, but a really complex topic that we could talk a whole show on, but we're going to have to move away from it. What? But first, I just want to say to Sammy that, first of all, good luck next Thank week. Thank you so much. Um, and, well, I personally hope that Zach kicks your ass. I know you do. <laughs> is, any, is anybody surprised out there? Uh, how about espresso cups in these exactly. cups? Like, you, you know, only using porcelain cups. That's actually our next topic. We're going to be talking about espresso cups. It's a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and I know that Alistair has a bit of a glass fetish, yeah. uh, which is pretty cool because, I, 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 you know, we're looking at a, a wall of porcelain right now, but I certainly like glass cups as well. For, the longest, uh, for the longest time, we used Illy Nudes in our shop. For all these espressos. I know, I sold you a couple. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, I think I gave you a couple yes, in trade did. for something. Yes, you did. Uh, but now we've moved on to the Bodum double walled. Those Ooh, things those are, are nice. amazing. Yeah. Those are the most beautiful cups, I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but. The Bodum Pavina is like a, it's, it's a beautiful cup. It's double walled. It's hand blown, borsalite glass. Is that how you pronounce it? Borsilicate. Uh, and, um, Rounded bowl shape inside. The espresso size is perfect. I mean, egg right, shaped. Egg shaped. Yeah, that's a good description. There it's you egg go. shaped. And um, we the, don't have espresso in it right now. No, <laughs> I know. We we have something else. It's uh, we got to test all varieties in this cup here. You know, we can't just stick with espresso. I tell you, it sure goes good with apple brandy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, the I, personally, I think the espresso cup is perfect. I can't think of anything they could do to improve it. It's so. It's so nicely rounded. Like, you know, you want a rounded cup? Like, this is a rounded cup. And just, I don't know what it is, because you got an outer glass, and then you have, like Alistair said, an egg shape in the middle, and it just adds to this so much beauty. It's just and there's a, a vacuum between the two two mm-hmm. surfaces, so that it, the heat retention is phenomenal. It's it's, it's actually mind-blowing. It's it's almost too good. Yeah. we You can't preheat these cups. No. No, because we discovered when we were at your cafe. Too hot. It was too hot, even Mm. for cappuccino or americano and the larger ones. It's almost like the crema made a seal and just... The espresso is, is kept so hot. Yeah. Is that a bad thing, you think? Or Uh, a seal? I I think that nice little lid isn't too bad. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's a bit of a problem, actually. Uh, Maybe not with espresso, but to serve a really hot cup of coffee in here. Oh, man. Well, how, sure. how hot in, in, in some of the bigger cups, we found that there's no way we can make Americano. No. Oh, yeah. You've got to no, or drip there. coffee. Like no, or drip coffee. Especially if it was made with... Because, you know, you have... Uh, it's a bit of an illusionary uh, effect that you don't know how hot the drink is. Yeah, how because the outside is cold. You can't feel the drink. You can't... You don't... You don't feel it with your hands. How hot is your drip coffee being brewed at? Do you know? Or do you know roughly the temperature? Is it 198? But you know what, Sammy? It doesn't matter. I mean, you could put 185, 190 degree water in there, and it's too hot. It's not cooling down. It doesn't cool down. This thing does a phenomenal job of insulating the the drink. You should start selling double-doubles. (laughs) <laughs> the Tim Hortons for 10, 15 minutes later, you can return to a coffee, and it's still It's still nice. Warm. Wow. Still, that's amazing. Now, the, the one issue I have with these cups, and I actually wrote to uh, the, 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 United, uh, the vice, uh, vice president for Bodum, Jeff Malkazian, um, about it, is that um, they're missing a size. Yes. Yeah. They're missing a size. The Pavina needs a size in between the yeah. three ounce. Here's a the they have the, Actually, that's two ounces to the lip. Oh, Even though it? they say three ounces. I measured it. Here's a question for you. 62 mils. Alistair, 
how is the breakage? Because a lot of people who have cafes... No, seriously, because yeah. well, I don't, you know, I don't have glass cups. I was a little more worried about yeah. my early nudes. Yeah. And we broke... We had six. We broke two. Because yeah. um, one of my biggest worries is breakage, because, you know, having a high-volume cafe, but... Are these expensive? Can, are they like They're not nearly or? as expensive as the Deruda cups you guys used no. to use. But They're these about are, one third the cost. So these are probably like totally affordable. How I much mean, can I get this espresso cup in my hand here? Well, we the retail price actually, retail Alistair, price. you sell these, so why don't yes. you tell? They're twenty. They retail for twenty dollars a pair for the espresso. So I can get one for about ten dollars off. No, there, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they're a retail customer. <laughs> okay, fine. And uh, the, the the large cappuccino cup. How much is that one? Twenty-five a pair, and then there's even a larger two, size. There's a latte, which is twelve, thirty dollars a pair. How? And it's twelve ounces. It's about twelve ounces. Yeah. And then wow. there's an even bigger cup. Oh, they do twenty and twenty-one. Ounces. Oh my gosh! <sighs> which I don't even carry. Those, those are huge. Those are called enormous. ventis, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So yeah. that's the thing, though, is that the, the the what we call the cappuccino cup is actually quite a large cappuccino because it's almost nine ounces to the rim. Mm-hmm. It's about eight and a half ounces, <laughs> and for you know at least a traditional cappuccino or a traditional americano, it's just too big. Mm-hmm. They do have a canteen which is six ounce, but oh, it's flat bottom. Ah, uh, holding it's, these things is so nice too. Just like just. Scripts in your hand. <laughs> well, these these are my new favorite espresso cups. Yes. Uh, is, um, and and macchiatos, macchiatos, macchiatos are awesome. perfect. The Assam cups, which are I think three three ounces. Yes. The tulip shaped are yes. great for macchiatos. It's got a flat bottom, and I these you know for these would be great for macchiatos too, probably though. Those I'm are not, nice. I'm not as concerned about flat bottoms. Some yeah. people are. Yeah, I'm not either. I am. I am because and actually we can talk about that since this is the espresso cups topic. Um, the, the the reason why flat bottoms would be scored low in a competition, for example, is because the crema um, retention is not as good as with a curved bottom or a bowl-shaped bottom. What happens is it's a wide bottom surface, so as the espresso forms um, in the bowl shape, the crema rises up and keeps its uniform thickness. Well, let's just return to that, about these being used in a competition environment. Exactly. Like, I, I well, really they're not allowed. Well, they're not allowed, Which but is, I think that, that the judges are there to judge what's in the cup, not the cup itself. Well, my argument is it's, you know, and people are going to not like this, but it's the whole five-star experience thing. Mm. And that's, that's at least what the organizers... But I'll tell you that. My, this my, is what the organizers have, have decided, that this is going to be the five-star barista experience. But this is a five-star cup, my friends. I, but like, this is, and like, so way... That was your zeros. And Those would be zeros on a judging form, not to get according back. to the rules. And another thing if is... If I was competing... Yeah, on Monday, I'd use these. The thing is, yeah, exactly. I'd use them too, because I wouldn't give a damn. But, and also, every, <laughs> you can, you can't hide how good your coffee is in here. That's what I love about it. That's what like, I love about using glass. Yeah. You can argue glass to the death. All my coffee. Whereas normal glass, and, you know, we, we've talked about this before, Alistair, normal glass cups, I do agree with that. I don't think that they should be allowed competition. Well, and I, I don't, don't like, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, Mark, because if you're, if you have 160 degree coffee, in glass, it's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. You're delivering to the judges within how many seconds? Yeah. But glass dissipates heat just so fast. So as fast. As I say, the judges should be judging the... It's the, not so much the judging. Remember, we're going for this five-star experience. So the, think of the concept of like how if you're in a five-star cafe, which doesn't exist. Let's, yeah. let's Have you ever been to a five-star cafe? Let, let, but just let's pretend it hypothetically exists. 
You're in your five-star cafe. You place your order for your espresso. The shot is pulled. Everything's done right on the shot ball. But the fact remains is that it will still take 30 seconds to a minute to get that cup out to the table. And then on top of that, the person may drink it leisurely. They may have their four or five zips over like a two-minute period. And yet we're drinking, what was this? That's two ounces. You know, what was it, the pear brandy? The pear brandy. Right. Yeah. Now, is this a glass for that? This this is, this is a glass no. for anything. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> you can even have a hard-boiled egg in here if you wanted yeah. to take the morning. No, but I mean, like, the cap, I love the cap glass for having, like, my, my Irish whiskey with ice. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, absolutely. One time, there was one time that I used the eight ounce cup for Irish whiskey on on the rocks, lots of rocks, and uh, I I left. I, I didn't drink the whole thing, and I had to run off. And I didn't get back to the house until about six hours later, and there were still ice cubes in the glass. Are you selling you know, these things? Just just to summarize on this glass, and I really think this compares to the naked portafilter because there is no interference of temperature. You can take this glass right off the shelf, and the espresso that lands in this cup mm-hmm. is the temperature of the espresso. I think itself. so. There's no heat loss. There's no heat gain. I know. That's why I'm. I'm to me, those are we're approaching perfection. Perfection. Cup. Exactly. I wouldn't say perfection. I mean, there's always. You know, it'd be great if they never broke. Well, but you know? that's what I was asking. How many do you, do you break any a week? Or are these that delicate? Like, no, we, we, we had one with a flaw. We had one with a flaw. I bought it, and the first time I put hot water into it, it shattered. So, but we do agree that Bodum has done it again. I think so. I you think know. Bodum, like they, you know, they're not an espresso machine. They're not this, but for what they do, for making French press coffee at home, for having an espresso, I know they have done their job I better than so. anyone. I really and the, the other thing, too, is, and here's a little plug for Alistair's uh, uh, cafe, um, he's pretty much the only guy in Canada selling these right now because, like, I go into dealerships. Like, like I, I'm friends with the manager at Motif in Vancouver, and I brought up these cups with her. And she goes, oh, no, our buyer would never buy those. And I yeah. said, why not? She goes, well, because no one else is carrying them. And I go, well, then why don't you I carry actually, them? I actually heard Gourmet Warehouse might be selling them because my friend Tom, oh, good. Thomas Haas um, from Thomas Hoffman and Chocolate's one of the best chocolatiers in the world. He uses these in his cafe. Awesome. Yeah, I got so we're starting to use these. So yeah, that's news yeah. to me too. I gotta get yeah, that to his cafe. They're right by the uh, Auto Mall there in North Vancouver. It's really great. Oh, okay, good. I'll check them out. The next thing, actually, we're gonna take this in a completely different di- direction. I have two pros here. I have Alistair who runs a cafe, and I have Sammy who's partners in a in a non-chain five-location cafe, and uh, lead trainer works a shift every morning at 6. But we're going to talk about a home grinder that, uh, that I'm currently doing a first look on. And the grinder is actually, it's called the KitchenAid ProLine Grinder. It retails for roughly $200 U.S. in the States. And in Canada, unfortunately, the only place I believe that sells it is the Bay, and their price is quite high. I think it's over $400. Um so you guys had a little preview of it before we started recording the show. What do you think so far? The grind is just unique, isn't it? It seems fast. It looks nice. It looks professional. It, I, I'm not sure about the grind adjustment. It does click. So um, Yeah, there's only 16 settings. 16 settings, is okay. It, is it best to adjust when the machine is on? Yeah, with the this is an auger style grinder instead of like a conical burr or flat burr, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's almost like a meat grinder. Yeah. Um, and I don't believe it makes any difference. I I've adjusted it, uh, you know, off on without beans, with beans, 
no real difference. One of the, if you guys who can't see this at home, it, it actually looks like a wheatgrass juicer or like. Well, actually, it's, it's like modeled after KitchenAid's uh, blender designs or mm-hmm. their mixer designs. Exactly. It looks like a little mixer. It's really cool to look. What I like yeah. about it is it's a straight path fall through grinder. Oh. There's yes. no side chamber for the exactly. coffee grounds to go through. Like you, the, the beans sit on top and they fall down below. And I That's, really like that design. In my opinion, that's the future of espresso grinding. I'd love to see straight path. Yeah, straight path. And is there, there are grinders on the market that uh, do it now. Just getting there. I don't know Which why. It's just being introduced. I don't even know of any ones. That Wasn't are, the Malconing a straight? No, no, no that's no, a side path, right? No. Malconing one was a bit of... Why do you think that people haven't done straight path before? Do you think it's just... I think it's because a certain design of grinder kind of took hold. Now, let's talk about both espresso and then home grinder. So we have basically three classes of grinders. We have the home blade grinder. We have the home and uh, commercial uh, coffee grinder that's meant for drip and for press pot and stuff. And then we have the doser grinder. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, like, you know, in the 50s and 60s and 40s and 30s, uh, a certain design uh, model was, Mm -hmm. was, you know, came about. And it hasn't really changed much since then. Man, those Italians are good, huh? Well, the model was that you fill up your doser. Yeah. Like every so half that an hour. So one click on the doser one gave you seven grams. Doser, which they're still doing in some chains. You could almost add a clicker onto here. Like, you, uh, like not necessarily clicker? with this machine. A doser? a doser. Like, I've seen a lot of home machines that you could put a... Uh, a doser onto, but I, doser I really think, attachment. yeah. Well, don't forget that this thing is designed multi-purpose. It's mm-hmm. designed to cover the gamut of press pot to Turkish, frankly, because it doesn't grind fine enough for Turkish. Um, and actually, that let's speak about the grind because the grind surprised you, Alex. It's amazing. When when I the showed you the finest grind, the f- you couldn't believe that it would choke a Lamarzoko. Well, what struck me was that the grind was instantaneous from. From the hopper. How fast. How fast yeah. and fluffy and cool. There was no heat. Yeah. Uh, looked really high quality. And when I first showed it to you and I told you that this would choke the Lamarzoko, you, you didn't really believe it based on what you saw in your hand. No, it seemed too far too coarse. Right. How many revolutions do you think this thing does it's, in a minute? It's low RPM. I, I don't know the exact numbers. I'm going to be contacting KitchenAid to find out that information. But I do happen to know that the auger is only turning at about 150 yep. to 200 RPMs. Like, when you look at it. And, and what kind of blades are they, do you know? Or? It's it's not a blade. It's an auger. It, it's oh, just like man. a meat grinder. It, it's hard to describe. Like, Alistair, you look straight down in there, and I showed you what the grinding mechanism was, and you didn't think that that You were like, where's the where's the burrs? Where's the burrs? Looking at the grind, like, the actual coffee in your hands is like, it was really nice. Really so nice. what we're going to do right now is uh, we have a vac pot set up. We have a nice little Herio Nouveau set up. It's a product I reviewed on Coffee Geek. It was actually the first product review I ever did on Coffee Geek. Oh. And uh, we're going to grind up some, uh, what, what, what is it called again? Uh, the Rwanda, Rwanda Masasa. Masasa. And actually, Alistair, what I usually do is I leave that off when oh, I'm adding the coffee and I heat up the water first. Oh, of course. But Alistair says, I am going to add. <laughs> now, we had, we had some, oh, what happened to the bag of Masasa? It's in my bag. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, sad, the saddest <laughs> thing about this podcast is that we're just three handsome guys here, you know? Oh, my God. This should be on television here. <laughs> no, thank no, no? No, I like radio. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like radio. Thank you. <laughs> so we just loaded up. 
Just loading it up, and because we're using an all-glass filter system on the... Uh, Let me get this out of your way, Mark. Thank you. We're using an all-glass filter system. I'm not using any cloth or paper filters. I'm using a Cori, uh, actually a Kona glass rod as our filter. Wow. So I'm going to set this bad boy to about three and a half. And, you know, here's the beauty. It's not that loud either. I mean, it's almost the same volume empty as it is with the ground. Okay, and how much coffee are you grinding here? Well, I'm grinding enough for it. But how much do you put in the actual hopper here? I'm, uh, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm grinding enough just for a three-cup uh, Herio, so I'm probably going to be grinding about uh, 21 grams of coffee. Well, for those of you who aren't here, he basically had about, I'd say about a quarter pound of coffee in there, and half of it ground in that span. That's how, that's how fast this coffee grinds here. And, like, that ground is just amazing. I mean, this coffee smells amazing. Oh, but, it does. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm going to wait until we heat up the back pot a bit. I'll grind a new sample. What kind of consumer buys this, Mark? You think? Well, or is it, like, is it feasible? Or do you, well, how it, much is it? it? It's a kit. Well, like I said, it's 200 U.S. The, the, the MSRP in the States is 300, but everyone's selling it for 200. Uh, the Canadian price I'm disappointed with because, um, right now only the Bay is selling it, as far as I know. And their their retail price on it, I think, is four forty nine or three ninety nine. And compared to the U.S. price, that's quite a difference. I'd pick up this grinder for if, sure. If I was going to the the states, where can I get this? Like, oh, you could get this. Seattle, you could get this almost anywhere. Like I mean, William, William Sonoma sells it um, at Bellis Fair. I, I think um, um, uh, Bon Marche sells it. Um, but you can get it anywhere. And almost every major online company sells it as well, like Whole Light Love and First and Coffee. I saw you grinding right into a portafilter earlier, Mark, and that seemed to work pretty good. Yeah, it did. There's a bit of a spray um, with it, I th- just because I think the coffee's coming out so quick. Mm. Um, and it's not made for that. Well, you know, it's not. And they, and they don't talk about that, but, like, we do try to test the thing in every different environment. I'm not saying it's not made for espresso. What I'm saying is it's not made to have the portafilter underneath. Exactly. No. That's... It could be. So, it's close. Yeah, and that's why, with a doser, it could be... A bit be. of a redesign, I think, with a with a smaller... Output. Yeah. Well, I they did actually redesign this since it was launched because the initial version um, left in too much. There was a little bit too much ground coffee stuck in the middle here, Mm. Um, or sorry, in the middle of the device because there was like a there was a lip that caught coffee. Uh, So they've redesigned that. So now almost all the ground coffee falls out. In the way my testing, roughly half a gram of coffee is left inside this thing between grind sessions. So I'm going to grind now for that, and again, this amount of time, I'm grinding probably about 21 grams. That was nine seconds for 21 grams. It's not bad. So um, we're setting up the back pot now, and it's just starting to kick up, and Alistair is manning the controls on my little gas fire burner. What do you think of that gas fire burner? This is great. Is that sweet? They don't yeah. sell it anymore, though. I know. Which I'm, I'm going to. I, I have uh, If you find out, for these. I'll buy them, because oh, I'll buy them. They're fantastic. I know. They're awesome. So, Alistair, give it a little stir up top there, just so it mixes properly. Yeah. Just turn a little bit more. If you stir, Sammy, that'd be great. Don't hit the center. Just stir the edges. Two to the left and one to the right, or? (laughs) Don't hit the center. You don't want to hit that filter. I won't hit the filter. And so, um, this is beautiful. I'd turn the heat up a bit there, Alistair, at least until all the kick-up happens. Oh, we're running out of juice. You know what? This reminds Uh me. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. 
Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Let me see if I can we're get. Full, we'll full open. No, nope, we're gonna make. This it. Remi- okay, we had to pause the show you're there for a moment you're because it's getting hot, Mark. We had to pause the show for a moment there yeah, because as far uh, as we could go. Uh, our backpot engine ran out of fuel, so Alistair was using my lighter. <laughs> and it worked. And it actually worked for this a while. This reminds me of, like, the sprinkler system. You know, like, the American metalware that we have at our cafes? Yeah. You, you mix it up? This is... Well, you've never seen a backpot before, Sam? Oh, I have, but I, I honestly, I, I really haven't drank too much coffee out of a backpot. Oh, the kickdown is going to happen real soon. Right now, it's just kind of equalized. It's that crema. But uh, well, that's well, yeah. The, that's actually we don't. That's not crema. We call that a bloom when you're talking about coffee. Wow. <laughs> oh, what happened to the drink? Oh my god! <laughs> We're getting a little loopy here. Actually, Sammy put the stir stick into a really nice um, shot of very expensive beer. It's marinated now in coffee. It's- this is really nice. Oh my gosh. We may have to start this backpack thing all over again. <laughs> Poor Alistair. Okay, you know what? I'm going to stop that's... recording. So we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> they existed with the, uh, with the backpot. It's, uh, uh, Alistair's never used a glass filter before and didn't quite know how to set it up and it stalled. It might be the grind. Who knows? Could be the grind. Could be the ran grind. out of fuel. Or it was it ran out of fuel. Sam, Sammy, Sammy was, stirring, was it. stirring it like a madman. It was my fault. Must have been. I told, I said, Sammy, don't the hit the filter. And so what does he do? He starts like bringing the spoon across the center of the thing, whacking the filter. Ask my wife. It's usually my fault. Believe me. <laughs> so we didn't get to test the, the masala, which sucks. You know, we, we could pull shots with it, but maybe we'll do that later on. And see, see what this grinder's like with the, yeah. uh, the shots. It was a great smell. And you know, actually, since we're talking about the masasa and stuff, uh, the next topic that we had lined up is uh, difficulties in finding a consistently perfect blend for your home or for the shop. And we're talking, we were talking about how, um, Alistair, like at your shop, you've gone through some major different blends of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, at one point you had JJ, you had Nero, uh, Palomino. Who would you start out with way before JJ? Cowboy coffee. Cowboy coffee. That's right. And those are that's from the folks who have uh, been around the world. That's right. Right. And then you went to JJ, and that's I think that was way back. Yeah. Partially due to me talking that's good right. things about JJ. That's right. And uh, then you know just. Things changed in that situation, and mm-hmm. what was the next company I went to? Stumptown. Stumptown. And you had Stumptown for a while, and now you're with? Heinz. Heinz. John Sanders. So um, so the Heinz coffee uh, is what you're currently using, and, right. and you're happy with that. But it brings to mind the fact that even though you have a pretty successful business, it is a small cafe, and I think you have that luxury. Well, the luxury is small volume and being so independent and so small is that you can make decisions uh, very quickly we do change day day to day but what about your clientele see this brings up a question because one of the things i hear from from coffee shop and cafe owners all the time is that they get complaints from customers that if the customer comes in this week and buys some coffee and then they come in a month later they expect to get the exact same coffee a lot of people mention that and uh, i think that's based on the marketing i don't actually I don't actually uh, display my coffee and which roaster I'm using. So when I make a change, it's it only shows in the cup. But do you sell retail bags as well? Yes. yes. And but what about not labeled? Not, not labeled. Not labeled from the roaster. 
Well, what about in that situation that like a customer comes in, buys their whole bean from you, and two weeks later they buy it again, and it's a different coffee? Do you get complaints about that? No, mm. not really, because the coffee's always good. I mean, I'm always using a very high quality coffee. And how many out of let's say out of ten customers, when you actually do s- split an espresso blend, do them actually notice? How many actually have that palate good enough to? to uh, I'm sorry to say, very, very, very few. Mm-hmm. Too few. Mm-hmm. So one other interesting point is that where um, you have the luxury of being mm-hmm. able to, you know, go on on the fly with your beans. Uh, Sammy and his company, they don't have that luxury because just strictly on the volume of sales they have. We're talking of going from, you know, ten, five or ten or fifteen pounds of coffee a day to shops that are doing a hundred pounds. A well, day. typically the larger business that you run, um, the slower you can make changes like that. Mm-hmm. And Sammy, what about that? So, like, you, you know, guys don't have the luxury of changing your to, coffee. But to be completely honest with you, um, the way Vince and I work, if we do need to make a change, we will make it because we haven't always been with Intelligentsia. Mm-hmm. We have been with other companies, and there's no way we're going to sacrifice the quality of our coffee for our customers. But that being said... There is one way for you guys to change your coffee these days. Exactly, and that's why we're going to start roasting for ourselves. Right. And this way, you know... And it's not just a not just a small venture either. It's you guys got a full bag of roaster, a 60 kilo. Oh, yeah. We have 20,000 kilos of coffee in our warehouse right now. And... How many? How much in the warehouse? 20,000 kilos. Wow. Green coffee. Almost 50,000 pounds. Yeah. And you know what? Instead of... You know, for too many years now, we've been putting uh, our coffee quality... Um, from the non-barista standpoint, into our roasters' hands, and now we know we're going to put it into our own hands, and we're going to. No, that said, I mean, like Intelligentsia is still one of the best roasters in the United States. You know what? As far as I'm concerned, best drip coffee in in North America that I've tried so far. Right. On a consistent level, and I think on the espresso, the they're definitely up there. As far as as far as like what I can now, I know Doug is going to hate me for this, but I consider them a medium-sized roaster. They're not a small roaster. No, I mean, no way um, they're small. But, you know, as, as far as a medium-sized roaster goes, I think they're probably the best in the U.S. Oh, definitely. Um, and even if you put them in, even if you put the small roasters in the class, I think that they're consistently top five, top six. Oh, yeah. And they don't, they do well not just at roasting. They also do red, well, baristas mm-hmm. do well. Their coffee shops do well. They're a great company, so. But for you guys, you, your company made a decision, and this is something that's happening right now, and that decision is to... Uh, stop buying coffee from another roaster and to roast your own. And that's a big step. Especially, you know, like you said it yourself, we go through, you know, maybe 100 pounds of coffee a day and we have five stores. that's per cafe, right? Yeah. And, or do you, you know, do 100 pounds per cafe? Including drip coffee, yes. Wow. And it's like, you know, let's, what's feasible here, you know? It, now is time to start roasting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not looking, we're at that level where we don't need to look for, um, you know, wholesale accounts. You know, we can just do it for ourselves, put out the best quality coffee we can and, you know, and still do well because of it. Well, the, uh, we're, while we're, while we're doing this thing here, Zoko's entertaining herself by looking for treats underneath the, uh, the buffet over there. Yeah, a little background noise. With <laughs> a little, little background noise here and there, balls bouncing, a little yelp. <laughs> um, who's doing the roasting for you guys? Um, my brother, Mike. And um, Mike has him really. Has he been involved with with Artigena before this? You know what? He hasn't. But you know, he has an excellent palate. 
He's uh, been one of Vancouver's best chefs. For, Wasn't it one of the North America's best? Well, yeah, you could. Say, he is. <laughs> he's a great chef. Mike is uh, one of the best chefs I know, and I know I I'm his brother, so I uh, a little biased. I, I am a little biased, but you know we he learned from our mother, and I know for a fact that will uh, Mike ever come over here and cook a dinner for me and my girlfriend? You better believe it, man. Really? Depends on how many good plugs you give me on the website, but I, oh. I, I'm pretty sure. So the answer is probably for now no, but oh, well, you gosh. never know. <laughs> Sammy, I want you to win at the CBC. Go, oh, Sammy. Thanks. Go, Mark. Sammy. Oh, you heard it. First time for everything, huh? <laughs> so, um, so he he's training to be the roaster. Oh yeah. And what did he go through for that process uh, to to train? Like who who's trained him and what was he doing? Uh, well, you know, we went to. He obviously uh, went on a few, let's say, retreats. He's went and learned. The roaster uh, retreats. Yeah, he's went and learned in Reno a few times. And uh, he's, I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying, but we've also learned from a couple of our good friends in Australia. Oh, actually, Instarator. Instarator. Uh, and who is with Michelle's Espresso. And one of the, one of, in my opinion, I think any is one of the most brilliant roaster slash espresso guys in the well, world. He's a super taster. Yeah. And... Um, just, I don't know what it is, but just, whenever I've spoken to Australians about espresso, it's just, I just am blown away. It seems like some some of them, not all of them, are just, they're just in another... They're on a different level. It's just they know espresso because 100% of their sales is espresso. Yeah. You know, for us... But I, I hate to cut you short on, on that because we do plan a podcast that is going to be almost 100% Australian coffee and espresso. We're going to have a call with Paul Bassett, and probably when Annie's in town, uh, we're going to have him involved. So I, I, I'm going to steer you away from that. I'm just yep. going to, we'll get back to talking about the blends in, in cafes and home. And we haven't talked about home yet. Yeah. And um, Alistair, you had some thoughts, I think, on espresso in the home and what uh, the, either the consumer can achieve or should be looking for. Well, I think the flexibility that I have, everybody at home has that as well, is they can mail order Coffee from Stumptown, uh, coffee from uh, Intelligentsia. They can be experimenting and developing their palettes at home, which uh, I think a lot of shops don't have that privilege. Uh, they don't have that flexibility. So for me, I, I see it as not only flexibility, but educationally, I can develop my palette and tr- be trying all sorts of different coffees. This brings up a point, actually. Um, I There's something I talked to JJ about, and... They did for a while, but I think lost interest in. Um, do you have? Do you do anything in your shop to educate customers on coffee? Do you do cuppings or anything like that? Yes, we do do cuppings. I mean, we do in-house cuppings, and I do bring uh, some customers that are really interested uh, in for cuppings with us. And I'm, I'm really interested in getting more involved in customer education, uh, consumer education in single origin. Uh, Coffees and and the whole process and the whole the whole world of coffee. Because right. I don't think people really understand what they're drinking. And this and again because you have a small uh, cafe, I mean it's something that's much more viable for you because you probably have your regular clientele mm-hmm. that you see every day or every couple of days. And the question that Sammy asked earlier is how many people uh, notice when I change my coffee? That's a really sad answer. I wish more people noticed. I wish more people understood coffee right. more. I want my customers to understand coffee more. And how about Artigiano? Do you guys do anything you know, for consumer education? We, we definitely do. Um, 
We have a bunch of loyal customers that we work with that are really good friends of mine that I work with. But one thing I'm going to be start doing is I used to write an article in Vancouver, Terminal City Weekly, and I, I tried to educate them through there a bit because mm-hmm. we posted on our espresso machines. But what we decided to do now is every month, you know, we're going to start doing our own little articles for our customers, posting them on our espresso machines whenever we have events, whenever we have cuppings, whenever we have... Well, here, here's the beauty. Now that you guys are starting to roast your own coffee, you can actually have cupping events. Oh, definitely. Which you couldn't really do with Intelligentsia before because... You know, you could cup the coffee for all it's worth, but you're not the roaster. Mm-hmm. So you could give feedback to Intelligentsia, but you really couldn't affect change right then and there. And, and the first time, maybe cupping might, cupping might be a little bit too boring for someone who doesn't uh, know much about coffee. That's why we're going to be having barista jams, you know, inviting our customers to there. Oh, so really? slowly, they're going to be getting more and more educated and a little bit more fanatical about coffee. Hmm. Um, and another thing is... For home coffee, I don't think that espresso is necessarily the only way to go when it comes to enticing their palates. I think that, personally... I'd go further than that saying I'd say it's not the way to go. Exactly. I, I recommend... I purpose, purposely like to run out of certain blends that customers are used to. This way, they'll try a different single origin different every Interesting. time. Even they'll try a bo- They'll try a French press one time. They'll try the French roast. They'll try a Guatemalan. They'll try the you know, Salvadorian. It's just... Mm-hmm. Personally, I my palate originally, um, before I started cupping, got educated from trying a different drip coffee every day, a different mm-hmm. single origin. Mm-hmm. Black. These, yeah, these coffees taste yeah. this way, and you know. So I think, I think people would be. I think a lot of people who drink coffee wouldn't be too so much offended by uh, a cup of drip than they would a single espresso that is definitely straight. And I think well, some coffee too, too much acidic. for some people. I agree, and again, like we're gonna have an entire show down the road on whether single origin can cut it or not as espresso for both service and evaluation. You know, we're gonna cover the gamut. Mm-hmm. But I uh, just said here, I think that espresso could is definitely should be drunk single origin for evalu evaluatory purposes or for building a blend purposes. Mm-hmm. Same as cupping. I I don't think you should cup. When you're building an espresso blend, mm. I think it should just be pulled as shots. Next show. And that's Next what show. I did for the, for the World Barista Championships. That's how I cupped it. But, as uh, single origin shots. I don't think that there's any single origin on the planet, save for Yemen mocha. Which is, you know, when you look at the bag sample of green, the bean variance is so massive. Um, I don't think there's any single origin that can cut it as a servable espresso shot i mm. had a fantastic what did you have at uh controversy right here yeah what I, did you have at vitrola i had the streamline oh, really? i didn't rave about the rwanda i was, was just right? okay I was what just did you have at albina press at albina press i had uh stumptown um hairbender, uh, hairbender. okay I, I had both, a, both of those shots are running single origin espresso yes i know that and i did and have i did have the rwanda at stream at uh vitrola and, you know, it's the same problem I run into with every single origin that I have, with the exception of Yemen, is that all the great things are, like, see, espresso is a magnifying glass for coffee. That's how I see espresso. The, 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 the method of brewing this beverage creates a magnifying glass for, for, the, for the coffee. And that magnifying glass is going to highlight all the great stuff about that particular bean, but it's also going to amplify and highlight all the bad things. How about a... And every single single... Like, it seems that every time I try a single origin, 
when I taste it, it's flat to me. There's always only one or two things going on in the mm. cup. There's always like, you know, some really great note, like, you know, like a blueberry, but then too much of an acidic bite on the aftertaste. Do you aftertaste. think that's possible that you're comparing just, you arrive at that decision based through the comparison to other blends? Like, no, the reason why I like blends is because the, because espresso is a magnifying glass, with a blend, there's complexity in the clock. But how about I don't get complexity from a single origin. But how about if an es- a single origin is roasted to different levels? Well, that, uh, that's a difference. I mean, that's what blend. that's what George, that's what Hal does with uh, Terrar Coffee and with his what what's the blend called? Well, again? you know what? What's the espresso? I think it was Deterra, a yellow bourbon. Deterra. I think it was actually a yellow bourbon Brazil. No, but the Deterra, he roasts them to different levels. Yeah, and so it's a single origin multi roast blend. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's a bit different. Then you're starting to add complexity into the cup. But I mean, just taking a single roast of like the Rwanda or you know like um, a Kenya or. Kenya as an espresso is like gagging. No. Um, probably one of the other ones I like is like a Ethiopian Harara I can tolerate oh, as really? an espresso shot. Uh, Yergacheffe I can tolerate. Mm. None of the Indians. I don't like any of the Indians. The El Salvador. The El Salvador is actually a micro blend, though. That's a bit of a cheat. The El Salvador Los Immortales from mm-hmm. from from. I love that, one. I love that coffee. No, coffee? Los Immortales from Intelligentsia. Wow. Stumptown Roasted as well. That's one of my favorite. That's drinks. a micro blend. That's actually that's it's five different farms. Okay. That they've sourced four to five. So that's a blend. Um, the beans are similar, obviously, mm-hmm. but there is a complexity in the cup, and that's why I enjoy it as drip and as espresso. I've tried it a few times, and it's okay. Like. I love complexity in a shot. I want that shot from start to finish to surprise me. I want stuff at the start. I want the smell to t- say certain things to me. I want the first taste to say certain things to me. I want the middle taste to say different things to me. I want the final taste to even say more different things. And then I want the aftertaste to be even more. And a good blend does that. A single origin never does. I've, I had a fantastic yellow bourbon Brazil. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just... It was in my actual blend, but it was I could have drank it straight, straight up. Oh, I, I tried that coffee at your at your warehouse, yeah. and the thing I remember about that coffee, big body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that well, was it. But we roasted that particular. That was it. Body. It was big body, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And like that's my point about single origin is that it's single notes, and usually, I think mm-hmm. every bean has a good quality. This is a, I think every bean has a good quality and a bad quality. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the good quality just totally overshadows the bad quality or, you know, whatever. The bad quality comes out and the good quality is muted. And because I think espresso brewing is a magnifying glass, it does that. And it makes single-origin espressos very boring for me because... That's not... That hasn't been my experience. No? I, I think just as, as as I brew coffee in a French press, I can find so much complexity in, in a single-origin coffee. Um, but when you like say that the masasa, for instance, like caramel, floral notes, you get all sorts of different, different mm-hmm. complex flavors just in just in a single origin. And not to bring any up again, but any will fight you with oh, you now until the. That's why I really want to save an entire like, show for when any is here. That exactly. depends also on the barista and how how the shot's being cold. Well, I'm a terrible barista, so I can't. No, I really am. I mean, I'm, I'm in a room with guys that can pull better shots than I can. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I pull like I, you know, even on a good day, on a busy day for me, I'm pulling forty shots. I look forward to just p- pulling you some single origin. 
Yeah, I've, trust me, I've had a lot from some of the best. See, like but like this is Dwayne like, Sorensen at Stumptown spent a whole day pulling single origins. But this is what we're talking Annie about. pulled me single origins. Thomas, uh, Paul Bassett pulled me single origins. There's uh, The argument stays the same in my head. And I, and I try to go into objectively, too. But that's the thing. It's, it's in his head. That's just like overdosing. No, I, this can't taste good. Mm. Or if it is called overdosing. Do you know what my current standard is, uh, stance on, on updosing? No, I don't. Oh, I, I'm actually Paul Bassett. Took you me moved to back. I, no, tried. I didn't move back. I tried for years. You don't. No, you don't do it the the proper way, Sammy. That's the problem. There's a lot of. You know what? Let's change topics and talk about updosing for a moment. There's a lot of confusion with people as to what this whole overdosing, updosing, overstuffing thing is. Okay, it's not about jamming more coffee no. into the portafilter. It's not. That's not the reason why they do it. The reason why is to limit expansion. Exactly. They, they want to completely limit the expansion of that ground coffee when water hits it. It's like great. It's like wine. It's like olive oil. You squeeze the flavor out of it. Mm-hmm. So what they want to do? I mean, like if 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 Limerzoka wanted to design a portafilter system that let you put in 14 grams of coffee but guaranteed that that ground coffee would not overexpand, the Australians would go for that. But like Paul Bassett would be happy with that because the same end brewing method is achieved. You can get the same, like, for instance, I don't do my espressos at weddings. When I do weddings, I don't do them on a Lamarzoco. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is to have a coarse grind, a really hard tamp, and not letting that coffee expand. Michelle's Coffee, they don't use Lamarzocos. They use Ascoins. Mm-hmm. And they don't fit as much coffee. No. It's all about the expansion. Mm-hmm. So. But that's the point, is that that's why there's so much confusion over it. Like, I, I'm famous for calling the Ristretto a crutch drink. That's my current stand on the Ristretto, because I believe that um, I've had amazing shots in competitions from competitors that were traditional doubles. We're pouring 60 mils from, like, you know, a, a 16 to an 18-gram pack of coffee, whereas the Ristretto pour is going to pour 30 mils from that same amount of ground coffee. There's, they still have expansion in the basket. They still have, you know, uh, headspace in the basket. Everything else is the same. They're just throwing double the amount of coffee at half the, the, the produced volume. That's why I call it a crutch. So I was called to task. If I call the, the ristretto a crutch, why don't you call the uh, overstuff method a crutch? Because you're just throwing more coffee at it. But that's not it. No, it's a misunderstanding. It is, it is. And, and you know, once I kind of got that, like I said, I was taking a school by Paul Bassett one morning here at my house, and uh, once I kind of got it, you know, pulling those shots made so much more sense, and just the method. But the reason why I don't pull them on a normal basis is because, well, I'm a home barista, and I don't feel like replacing my gaskets every, you know, couple of weeks in my baskets every well, couple never, of weeks. I never, I only have, to, I rarely have to re- replace mine. Three hours of Bassett working my Lamarzoco machine in this house to filter free, baskets and, ruined. And for your information. It's completely bowled out. Completely bowled out. Okay? And the dispersion screen pushed, pi- in. pushed yeah. in. And for your information. I, it's not the way the machine was designed. To no. Be <laughs> well, no. But I still think this. But this is why I said you don't do it quite to that level. Well, I, you know, I, I beg to differ. I really do. Well, because I've been working with Any for the last few months. And I've Any doesn't do it to the same level that Paul does. Well, you know what? Paul Bassett also... He goes for longer extractions mm-hmm. than I do, so he might have to do like almost no expansion. I personally, uh, like I, I don't said, go pop. by I don't go by um, actual levels in my cup. Right. I go by um, um, espresso extraction times. Well, Paul, like I said, so, Paul is a traditionalist too. Paul believes, like a lot of Australians who follow this theory, 
that a proper double extraction is 50 to 60 mils poured because you're yeah. doing your two cups. You're 25 to 30 mils a single. Exactly. Year. But they're Same. pulling doubles, so that's what it is. But the ristretto pour is pouring, you know, 25 to 35, 40 mils from 17 to 20 grams of coffee. Did you want to say something on this, uh, I think Alistair? We should carry on to the next subject. All right. Yeah, because this is going to get personal. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we haven't talked about, and I was supposed to interject this almost every topic, we have a toll-free number. The toll-free number is hooked up to voicemail. And you can call in, and you can leave a recording, and that voicemail is automatically forwarded to my mailbox, my email box, and I have a nice little audio file, and we can include it in, on the next show. That's so, impressive. Isn't that, it isn't is. that cool? It's, so the toll-free number is 1-800. It's not even an 888 or an 877. I'm going to call. You call. <laughs> 1-800-332-9477. That's 1-800-332-9477. Um, you can leave voicemail that, uh, if appropriate enough and is, does, isn't full with expletives and everything else, we can maybe play on the next episode. So if you have a question for a roundtable and you want to have a question answer, that you want an answer to, just pose it. Uh, if you want to comment on the show, we'd like to hear that too. We also have an email address, and it's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at coffeegeek.com, and you can contact us there with your questions. And if we get some interesting email questions, maybe we'll uh, we'll answer a few of them the next uh, roundtable. We should do a poll one day, too. Like this well, we have a question. poll on Coffee Geek. Oh, what is it? Well, it changes every couple of weeks. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, again, I think we're going to wrap up now, and I want to say thank you to my two guests. I'm going to say thank you to Alistair Dury, again, with the Elysian Room in Vancouver, uh, one of my favorite cafes, especially since he has Wi-Fi. <laughs> and uh, uh, okay too, the, the coffee's okay. The coffee's okay. Some of your staff's afraid to serve me though. There's a there's a bit of an issue there. Um, mm. You know, fear factor. <laughs> and uh, Sammy Piccolo, Salvatore Piccolo, co-owner, uh, star barista. Um, you know, okay latte artist. I think he needs to work on his skills a bit. Jeez. Uh, from Cafe Artigiano. <laughs> That's one of the nicest things you've ever seen to me. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and Sammy's competing in the Canadian Barista Championship in just five short days or four short days. And uh, I certainly wish you all the best. And, Thank you. And actually, you know, it's coming down to you and Zach. I know. You know, who do I want to win? Yeah, it'd be cool to see Zach have a kick at the can, but also well, you know if he won, I wouldn't. You never know. He can still get a chance even mm. if he doesn't win. If he, can finish, if he finishes second and I'm fortunate enough to win again, who knows? He still might have a chance because I'm going to have my hands full pretty soon, as you know. Well, oh, I know. And <laughs> could we could we say this? Yeah, go ahead. My wife. Sammy just Sammy and his wife uh, Andrea. Andrea's pregnant. That's right. And when, when's the baby due? Uh, December thirty first, baby. Wow. So yeah. Wow, well, congratulations on that. Anyway. <laughs> Thank congratulations you so much. on that. And uh, if you want to see uh, Sammy, uh, you can, if you get up at 6 a.m., you can go down to Pender Street. Yeah. Uh, at the, the original Cafe Artigiano location to see him there. And Alistair's Cafe is at 5th and Burrard, just around the corner from the 5th Avenue Cinemas, also in Vancouver. So thanks, guys. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. This was an honor. It was awesome. <laughs> okay, take care. Bye. All right, we're about ready to start our final segment on the Coffee Geek Podcast, the inaugural issue. 
Um, this is our news segment, and I have some really breaking news. I just spoke to Sammy Piccolo on the phone and got the results from the Cambrista Championship. And uh, coming in fourth place was Stuart Ross from Bulldog Cafe. I believe they're in Toronto. In third place with 725.5 points was Zach Lackick from Cafe Artigiano in Vancouver. In second place with 746 points, Lino, uh, let me see if I can pronounce his last name properly, Lino Mastrangelo, Mastrangelo from Braza Cafe in North Vancouver. He had 746 points. And for the third year running, our Canadian barista champion, Salvatore Piccolo from Cafe Reggiano with 826.5 points. Sammy beat second place by, uh, it looks like, about uh, 80 points. Well, congratulations, Sammy. Third time running. Now it looks like you're going to be uh, going to burn Switzerland next year. I just spoke to Sammy on the phone. Uh, and, uh, he said to me that, uh, he's not taking this one for granted like he did, uh, the past two years, whatever that means, because he trained like a dog, I can tell you. This year he says he's basically training every day. Don't forget, Sammy, I'm gonna break the news here. You got a kid on the way. That's right, Sammy's wife, Andrea, is actually pregnant, and they have a kid, I believe, coming around December. So, um, make sure you have your priorities right, but we want to see you at the Worlds next year, and maybe third time's the charm. So, congrats, Sammy. Congrats, Lino, Zach, uh, Stuart, everyone who participated in the Canadian Barista Championships. And that is literally hot off the presses. The, uh, the championship was announced, uh, just a few hours ago. As for other news, um, they're actually, uh, I'm just trying to think of some news items off the top of my head. And, um, there aren't many. There is a rumor about a new uh, machine technology in Seattle. Uh, the details are very sketchy, but it's basically a new way of brewing coffee. And it's uh, apparently a brewer that will produce um, 16 ounces of coffee in 30 seconds. Um, from what I've heard, it's uh, loosely based on on uh, what we're seeing in the single pod machines like the uh, the, the, the Philip Sensio um, and others with um, a two or three bar pump inside. Um, I've heard all sorts of different things about this. Uh, everything from it grinds uh, a grind that's that's as coarse as a French press grind um, and a bunch of other things. But it is something that's shaking up a lot of uh, people down in, in Seattle. And I hope by the next podcast, we're going to have some more information on that. Um, in other news items, I'm going to be popping over to our news section on the Coffee Geek website. And in case you didn't know this, uh, the Coffee Geek website does have a news section. Uh, we have a news editor. Her name is Jeanette Chan. And Jeanette uh, mines the internet every couple of days, sometimes once a week, for various news items. And she seems to find some really interesting ones. Um, one uh, thing that came up recently is that, uh, as we all know, Rick Pizer is the uh, new SCAA president this year. Uh, it was just announced recently, but of course uh, he was elected um, as a second VP uh, a few years back. Um, as far as other coffee items of interest, I'm just looking through right now. Um, oh, here's an interesting one. There is um, Ben & Jerry's is going fair trade coffee. Uh, I'm gonna read a bit of the press release here. It says, um, the next time you need a jolt of Java, 
Ben and Jerry's coffee ice cream flavors promise to make you feel good inside and out. Ben and Jerry's continues its 27-year commitment to supporting positive social and environmental change by introducing three certifiably delicious coffee ice cream flavors now made with fair trade certified coffee extract. My thoughts on that. I love it when any of the majors, be it Ben Jerry's, be it um, Dunkin' Donuts, decide to go fair trade coffee. Um, fair trade is definitely a good fit there because the more uh, of these medium and large size companies that move to the fair trade label, the better farmers or are going to uh, to benefit. Um, there's been a lot of questions about the quality of fair trade coffee uh, from high end uh, roasters and 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 whatnot. Uh, I do agree that that sometimes the quality is lacking, and there is a concern that fair trade uh, doesn't really address quality issues at all. Um, they don't have their own kind of cup of excellence program for finding the best fair trade coffees. They they do stress quality growing, but really for them, they're, they're a social and, and financial uh, system for starving farmers. And I do applaud that. Um, but a lot of growers, a lot of, uh, sorry, a lot of roasters and a lot of cafes have concern about the quality issues. Um, that said, I've had some amazing fair trade coffees in the last year or two, um, just some that have completely blown my mind. Some of the ones out of Rwanda, uh, Uganda, uh, Peru, um, uh, just to name three off the top of my head, have been really amazing coffees. The Ethiopian Yergachefe that, that's been out for the last few years that's fair trade and organic certified has just been one of my favorite coffees to drink. Um, but I do like seeing uh, fair trade go into these kind of establishments. And, you know, we're talking coffee extract here. So it's it's brewed coffee already. It's going into ice cream. Uh, flavor up down doesn't really mean anything. What is important here is that Ben and Jerry's buys a lot of coffee, and when they switch to, to fair trade coffee for some of their ice creams, the farmers are going to see a huge benefit. And uh, there's, I, I love seeing that kind of stuff. This is why we have that press release on the Coffee Geek website. As far as other news. We're about to see what I think might be a possible shootout between two really high-end um, professional uh, con commercial espresso machine companies coming out with consumer, um, at least purposed products. I wouldn't say price because uh, one of these companies has a machine that's going to be priced over 4000 probably 4500 U.S. dollars. And the other one, um, from what I've heard so far, it's uh, looking like it's a machine that's going to be between 6500 and $7,500 U.S. dollars. These two companies are both based in Seattle. Actually, well, sorry, one is based in Italy now, uh, La Marzocco, and the other one is based in Seattle, Seneso. Now, if you've read uh, some of the articles I've written on Coffee Geek recently and, and um, read the forums, you know that La Marzocco has... Uh, a prototype out there now of a new Lamarzoco consumer espresso machine. It's a single group machine. Um, eventually, it's going to feature a paddle wheel group, which I'm totally excited about. It inside it has all the uh, it has uh, the electronics from their new state of the art machine, the GB5. Uh, it's going to have a PID. It's going to have a, a jiggler. It's going to have a built-in reservoir, but you can also run it off a water bottle or plumbed-in source. Uh, and the machine just looks gorgeous. It's small, but even though it's small, it has a 5-liter steam boiler and a 3-liter brew boiler. Uh, 
a lot of people are talking about this machine. A lot of people are very excited about this machine. Um, after the SCAA show, when the when Lamarzoko first debuted this this machine, uh, Lamarzoko had a, uh, a retreat up at Whistler with all their buyers from around the world, and they were taking literally hundreds of pre-orders for this machine. And then Sinesso, Sinesso um, is making waves uh, the last year or so because they're building this machine uh, that that all you know folks from around North America and the world have heard about. It's um, a very temperature stabilized, very tweaked out uh, two, three, four group espresso machine. Uh, famous people like um, like David Schomer at uh, at Espresso Vivace in Seattle have bought one. Um, this machine answers all machine almost all machine geeks' questions uh, about tweaking an upper end consumer or commercial machine. And um, rumor has it, and I've actually seen photos that Senesso is coming out with a one-group, 110-volt version of this machine. The price is supposed to be pretty high, though. I, I've heard $6,500 and $7,500. But it, it is essentially their Senesso Synchro machine in a one-group. And uh, this fall, I think we're going to see a lot of stuff going on um, in terms of these two ultra-high-end machines. And it'll be interesting to, to see what happens when both of them actually hit the market. And in our last bit of news, uh, the Barista Guild of America is holding its Southeastern Regional Barista Jam. Um, I believe it's going on June 18th in Greensboro, North Carolina at Stockton Graham and Company. Uh, you can find out more information if you visit the SCAA's website, scaa.org, and check out the forums uh, and go into the Barista Forum. There is a, uh, a notice there about all the events, and uh, it should be good. I've been to several barista jams. They're always fun. Um, it's really cool to, to see professionals in the industry, uh, baristas, sort of get together and, you know, discuss anything and everything espresso-related, go through mock competitions, learn uh, techniques, learn latier techniques, learn uh, evaluation techniques for watching shot pulls, the whole works. Um, barista jams are a great thing for professionals in this business and uh, the BGA Southeast Regional Barista Jam again going on the 18th of June uh, at Stockton Graham in Greensboro, North Carolina should be a great event so you should check it out and I think that's going to wrap us up for the news segment this week um, the next podcast we hope to have Jeanette Chansing with us she's not sitting with us uh, this podcast because of a scheduling uh, issue uh, but for future podcasts, we hope to have our news editor sitting present. Uh, she'll bring up a few news items here and there, and we'll discuss for, for a minute or so. And uh, I think it's going to be a good segment on the Coffee Geek website. Um, and that's pretty much it for our inaugural issue. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you didn't find it was uh, too long and too dragging. Uh, and as uh, I mentioned right at the top of this podcast, if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, we or if you have a question for us that you'd like us to address in a future show, we have two ways to contact us. The first is at podcast at coffeegeek.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at coffeegeek.com. Uh, or you can call us toll-free, 1-800-332-9477. That's 1-800-332-9477. And uh, that leads to a digital voicemail box. And what we'll do is um, we'll take questions from that box. Uh, and for the following podcast, 
We'll pick the best ones out and we may play them during a roundtable and address a few of the questions. So if you have a question for us that you'd like to be answered, anything coffee related, anything espresso related, anything in the consumer world or the pro world, um, record uh, an audio message for us. Keep it short. Speak clearly, uh, speak fairly, you know, loudly, but not too loud. Um, and understand that we may use it uh, for public broadcast and we'd love to hear from you. So anyways, uh, this is Mark Prince. I'm going to be wrapping up now and I'd like to thank you to, uh, for listening to the first Coffee Geek podcast.